Alicia, as loud as we can. Come on. Yes. Come on, give somebody a high five and say, Pastor Shane's about to get rowdy up in here today. And then you can be seated. That was not, there we go. Good morning. Come on now, good morning. Man, I'm so excited. I'm excited, I'm that excited. So good to be with you all on this uh, Palm Sunday. And uh, as we kick off Holy Week, and I am so excited about this week. God has been, really been speaking to me. It was 30 years ago, it was the 30 years ago, uh, this Good Friday, that I heard about Jesus really for the first time. I gave my life to Jesus and he transformed my life Good Friday 30 years ago. And I'm gonna tell you what, I remember that day because it was the greatest day of my life. And uh, how many of y'all remember that day that Jesus changed your life, amen? And uh, so I'll talk a little about that, but as we kick off uh, Holy Week this week, we're gonna have so many powerful services on Good Friday and Easter Sunday. But it seems so often that uh, we miss the moments and the, the, really the power of this whole week that is set up. And my prayer today is, is going to be really just upfront and honest. If you're here today and maybe you don't believe in Jesus or maybe you're a skeptic or maybe you've walked away from faith or you're not even sure how you got here today. Maybe she just said, if you want to be my, my boyfriend, you got to come today. I want you to know I'm so glad you're here. And I, I believe that today is going to be a powerful day for you because you're going to discover that the love of God for you. And, uh, and I believe that some of you, you've been waiting, waiting just to, to know that God can accept you and love you right where you are. And I want you to know today, we're so glad you brought in your, your story. You brought in all your luggage, all your baggage, because there's no better place to bring your baggage, uh, that I believe, than to Jesus. Because he said, cast all of your burdens onto me because he cares for you. And so we're so glad you're here today. And then secondly, my prayer today is uh, for us as the church. And my prayer is simply this, that God will make you uncomfortable uncomfortable in your comfortableness, that God will make you uncomfortable in the place, in the space where we can get comfortable so easy. And that's ultimately what happens on, on uh, Good Friday and, and Palm Sunday and all that's going to be happening this week. Over the last couple of series, Pastor Stan, uh, who will be here on Good Friday for us, and I don't know about you, but I just appreciate his last two series that he's preached. Make a good decision and Y'all got it. And then it was no pain, no gain. And I believe in a lot of ways that has been building us for a church up for this season because I believe that Jesus is about to do something that we could never even dream or imagine at CLC. I believe that God is positioning us to make an impact not just globally, but right here in our city, we're going to see people come to Christ, lives being transformed like never before. How many of y'all believe that? Amen. And, uh, and I believe that his, uh, his two series have really been leading us up to that. And so in honor of Pastor Stan, I created the longest title ever for a sermon. And my message today is going to be entitled, The Week That Became Holy Because Jesus Made a Good Decision That Was Full of Pain. Now make his decision good and receive your gain. There we go. That's for you, Pastor Stan. We love you and, and um, so thankful for you. And that's the whole series. That's the whole sermon. You can leave today. If you just do that right there, it'll be great. Uh, but I remember back um, 30 years ago when I said yes to Jesus. 
Because I was a sinner and I was a really good sinner. Anybody was really good at it? Some of you are just lying. Like you like, I know, right? Y'all are those like, uh, you're like those stealth sinners, right? Nobody knows how bad it really is. But I was good at it. I was so good at it, I just took it out to the public. I lived it out. Because I didn't know there was a Jesus. And I'll never forget a friend of mine, and many of you may have heard me share this, uh, invited me uh, to a church event. And let me just tell you something. At 18, not knowing Jesus uh, and not knowing anything about God, I didn't want anything to do with God. So he did the best evangelistic move ever. He said, you know the girl that you really like? She's going to be at this convention this weekend at a hotel. You should come with us. And in my mind, in my good center mind, I thought, that sounds like the greatest church thing I've ever heard in my life. And uh, I, I walked into a room and people were singing and they were raising their hands and they were looking up and I didn't know what they were looking up at because I was looking at her. And, um, and for the first time, a, a guy got up and spoke and he told me about the love of God. And for the first time, I realized there was a God and he loved me. And at the end of that message, he said, if you want to say yes to Jesus, I invite you to come forward. And before he could even get it out, I was down there for two hours weeping. And I knew there was a God and he transformed my life. And my life has never been the same from that day to this. Amen. And so I just want you to know, if you're here today and, um, and man, you think, man, I've done too much that there's no way God could love me. Look at this, man. I'm up here speaking on a stage, and if you would have saw me 30 years ago, you'd have went, there's no way people need to be listening to that dude 30 years from now. And Jesus transformed my life. And I will never forget what Jesus did in my life in that moment. And that's why my heart for people that are far from God is so big. It just seems like the more I know Jesus, the more I love people that are far from God. And my prayer today is that we would begin to open our eyes, church, and say, God, would you just begin to pour a new spirit out upon me and a love for people that are far from you, that we would be known as the church that are not fighting the people that are far from Jesus, but we are loving the people that are far from Jesus. That we as CLC, we would just simply say this, we refuse to fight the people that Jesus died to save. Amen. Amen. And that doesn't mean we don't have conviction and we don't have any of that, but man, that is our heart and our passion. And God, I pray today that you would begin to just move mightily in our lives. And so I want to speak today on really the whole uh, Passion Week and Holy Week leading up to this moment. And we will pick up our story in just a moment of, of really, and we'll be in all four of the Gospels today. And if you're here and you go, what's the Gospel? There's four books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that tell the story of Jesus's life. Four different authors who were there and I, as eyewitnesses and, and they're giving an account of his life. And this, I believe, is the biggest week. This week, uh, 2,000 years ago, transformed the world as we know it. And it, it's, it's the Passover week and, and Passover is, is kind of a big deal. Passover is this, this time when the Jewish people would, would celebrate uh, that, that God had saved them from Egyptian slavery and Egyptian bondage. And it was such a big deal that the Jewish people would get together once a year. M uh, many of them would come into Jerusalem 
for the, for the Passover feast and festival. And it was a big deal. Uh, they would be flocking from everywhere. They would be coming. The crowds would be massive. And they're coming in to celebrate Passover. But the first century church and the first century Jewish people This was going to be a difficult Passover because now they're in Israel and Israel is now occupied by Rome. And so they're going to be celebrating that God delivered them, but they're going to be wondering, will God do it again? Because we were out of bondage, but now it feels like we're right back in bondage. And so this place of the festival is massive and thousands of people are coming and flocking into the city. And Jesus, for 30 years, has been prepping everything for this one week, this one moment. For the last three years, he had been uh, doing miracles. He he had been speaking, and and people saw him as a rabbi. They saw him as a, a, a good teacher. But they're about to see Jesus in a whole new light. And Jesus is about to make his way into the city with them. Jesus and his 12 disciples, they're, they're going to make their way in. But the problem is this. Jesus has been doing some powerful miracles. He's doing crazy stuff like raising people from the dead. Whenever a man raises someone from the dead, follow him. And And we thought maybe he was just the rabbi, a good teacher. But could this be the Messiah that we had hoped for and been praying for? It was the crowds had begun to follow Jesus and his name was becoming known. And when he raises Lazarus from the dead, it changes everything. The crowds are massive following him. And now some are beginning to believe he's the Messiah. But here's the problem. The Jewish leaders would not have it. They had to get rid of Jesus because he was changing everything. He was threatening their position. He was, he was threatening their system. He was threatening their influence and their affluence. And they seemed really religious on the outside. But Jesus was coming to transform the inside of souls. And people began to flock to Jesus. And they said, we have to get rid of Jesus. We have to get rid of Jesus. And they hear that Jesus is probably coming to Jerusalem for Passover. And so they have to come up with a plan. How are we going to put an end to this? It's out of control. So we have to figure out a way to seize Jesus. And we're going to have to kill Lazarus too because Lazarus is the proof that God is real. Have you ever just said, God, if you would do this or you would do a miracle, God, I'll believe in you? Lazarus is literally that miracle. And Lazarus is going to be there too. But we just somehow kill the proof and we try to find our own agenda. And that's what's happening in this moment. And so Jesus understands as he joins the crowd and he flocks on, he's on the road going in to Jerusalem. There's the the streets are packed, the hotels are full. This is the place to be. And they know it's going to be hard to find Jesus in the crowd. And so in John 11, 57, here's their plan. 
It says, but the chief priests and the Pharisees had given orders that anyone who found out where Jesus, uh, uh, where Jesus was should report it that they might arrest him. This is the plan. But they realized in a second, this isn't gonna work just like this. We, we just can't arrest Jesus. He had now, he now has hope all over him and the people now are finding their hope in Jesus. And so they say, but we can't do it during the festival or the people may riot. Meaning we've got to get our, our agenda and our system back the way that it was. Have you ever had someone or something just mess up everything in your life? Liken it to having a kid. Everything seemed great. We wanted to have a kid and we have a kid and man, it just messed everything up. I mean, my wife had to get up early in the morning every day and go feed the baby. And I didn't really, because I couldn't do anything. So I was like, babe, you got this. <laughs> I mean, the baby doesn't want the dad for the first couple of years, right? Just, and I'm not good at changing. I did, but it, yeah, it's a whole different thing. But Jesus is about to disrupt everything. He's popular and he knows that he is wanted. And his disciples know the danger of going to Jerusalem, especially during Passover. And Jesus has to make a decision whether to go or not. And Jesus makes a good decision, but it's gonna be wrapped in a lot of pain. Goes on to tell us in the scriptures that about five days from Passover, Jesus is now making his way into the city and before he does, he, he tells his disciples, go, go find this donkey, this colt donkey that I have uh, ready for us. Just go get the donkey. And when the owner says, why are you taking that? Just say the Lord needs it, which is kind of an odd thing to say. Like God told me to steal your donkey. <laughs> and he's gonna make his entry into Jerusalem where well, the biggest crowd would be. This is the moment. For he'd spent three years trying to, he'd spent three years really trying to uh, keep under wraps all that he'd been doing because everything was building for this, but this is the moment. He's gonna let everyone know I am the Messiah. And he says, get a donkey. Not get a stallion, because I'm just playing this out in my head. And if, if I'm Jesus, and everybody say, thank God, you're not. If I'm Jesus, I'm getting the biggest, baddest horse there is. I'm galloping in with swords, and I'm coming in hardcore. Look at me, here comes the king. But not Jesus. Jesus comes in on a donkey, one, to fulfill the prophecy out of Zechariah, but two, it shows that he's the humble king, that he hasn't forgotten the poor and the broken and the outcast. And so he, he gets the donkey and he begins to make his entry in and says, the next day, the great crowd had come for the festival and they heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. And here's what's happening. The Messiah is coming. He's coming and he's going to fix everything. See, they believed that the Messiah was coming. 
But what the Messiah was going to do was going to set up his kingdom in Israel, in Jerusalem. And he would overthrow Rome, who was their enemy. And they would be people of power and affluence and authority. They thought Jesus was coming to fix their today. They didn't realize that Jesus was going to change everything for them. But there's an anticipation. He's coming. He's coming. And the crowds are growing. And it says, then they took palm branches and they went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna. As Pastor Josh just said, that means save us now. Save us now. Save us now. See, that prayer, it sounds good. But really what they're saying is, God, give me power. Give me power. Because everyone in this story has an agenda. And everyone's agenda is selfish except Jesus's. They weren't saying, God, save my soul. Take away my sins as that had been been prophesied for thousands of years. They're saying, God, give me something now. Ultimately, what they were saying is they were willing to sacrifice their eternal blessing for their short-term benefit. But nonetheless, they're they're shouting, Hosanna, save us now, save us now. And they even begin to see this got to be God's man. It says, blessed he who comes in the name of the Lord. This is God's man. This is God's man. And then the next thing they chant seals Jesus' fate and truly exposes the crowd's agenda. And it says, blessed is the king of Israel. The people began to see him as an earthly king. And Jesus, and they're thinking Jesus is coming to do something for us and our nation. And the truth was this, that Jesus was actually coming to do something for you. Jesus was coming to do something for you, for them, for the Gentiles who had no place and position in God. He was coming for the poor, the broken, the sinner. He was coming with a whole different agenda than what they wanted. He wasn't coming to make the church happy. The Bible says it like this. He was coming to seek and save the lost. See, because the issue uh, is simply this, that we've all sinned. Sin separates us from God and we, we cannot do anything about that on our own. That we are separated from God and the only thing that can make us in right standing with God for all of eternity is the sacrifice, a perfect sacrifice And so God sends his son not to make us happy, to save us for eternity. And he invites everyone into the the family. And so after they say all this, Luke tells it like this, that as he approached Jerusalem and he saw the city and he heard all of the cheers, he began to weep. Jesus does everything different than what we would expect. 
how many of you would honestly say, man, if you're walking into the city and the city's packed and the whole city starts clapping for you, you wouldn't go. But he begins to weep. And he begins to weep for a couple of reasons. One is he knows their hearts are selfish. He doesn't want, they don't want him to, to save their soul. He wants him to give them something that's temporary. He also knows that the ones that are cheering in just five days or so will be shouting, crucify him. They will be shouting, crucify him. That his disciples will betray him. That everyone that he's there to save is going to reject him. And his heart is so broken for people that are far from God. He wants them to get it. And so when Jesus gets into the city, he immediately begins to go around in the temple and houses and teaching. He doesn't stay very long because they're looking for him. But this is some of the most profound teachings of Jesus. And he starts teaching about parables. He starts teaching about uh, what the kingdom of God is like. He's doing all this teaching. And while he's teaching, the religious leaders get a breakthrough. It's like God had answered their prayer. It was justification. The unthinkable happens. One of Jesus' own breaks rank and betrays him. The one that was closest to him betrays him. It says, and Judas went to the chief priest and the officers of the temple guard and discussed with them how he might betray Jesus. Here's the reality, everybody, this is big. We look at Judas and go, man, what, I would never betray Jesus. But here's why Judas betrays Jesus. Because he, he's not going to get what he thinks he's gonna get from God. He thinks that he's coming into Jerusalem and he's gonna be in power, he's gonna have money, he's gonna have position. And when he gets there, he realizes it's not gonna turn out that way. That Jesus isn't coming in power, but he's coming to lay down his life. And when he lays down his life, they're going to possibly lose theirs. And so he betrays Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. But I wonder how many of us have betrayed Jesus. Because when we were going through pain, when times got tough, we found a quick blessing but somehow try to stay connected to Jesus. And it says though, they, he betrays him. And then it says they were, they meaning the religious leaders were delighted and agreed to give him money. He consented and watched for an opportunity to hand Jesus over to them when no crowd was present. When no crowds present, and here's what it says. And they were delighted. You know why they were delighted? Because they were afraid. They were afraid that if Jesus was the Messiah, Jesus was the King, and Jesus was Lord of their life, he would take something from them. He would take their position, their stature. And I wonder how many of us, we haven't made Jesus the Lord of our life because we've been afraid he's gonna take something from us. But Jesus didn't come to take anything from us. He came to give them.
life and life more abundantly. See, some of us, we've been holding back from God because we think God is going to take something from us. God doesn't want to take your life. He wants to give you life. He wants to give you something you don't deserve. He loves you. But he doesn't just want to do it for those who seem important. See, Jesus came for everyone. He came from the hurt, the broken, the mistreated. It didn't matter where they were from. And, and it didn't sit well with the religious leaders. Because they were special. They were the elite. They were the ones who were in charge. And church, let me just say it like this. I pray we never get so comfortable in our churchy position that we fail to make room for Jesus to bring in people that are nothing like us. See, Jesus loved people who were nothing like him and people that were nothing like him ended up loving Jesus. And so they are afraid of losing what they had and Jesus wants to give them and he wants to give us something we could never have without him. And so now we're at this place in this space where this is really the, the greatest battle in all of humanity. It's the battle of the kingdom of this world versus the kingdom of God. And Jesus is spending his last few moments and his last few hours teaching and he comes to this place, one of his first parables that he teaches is about the kingdom of God. And what I love about Jesus is apparently Jesus loves to eat because there's going to be banquet feast in heaven, banquet feast on earth. Jesus eats meat. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> we worship the lamb then we eat lamb. You know, it's like great. And so he says the kingdom of God is like a great banquet feast. And I would agree. It's not like a golden corral banquet feast. This is a feast from the king. And Jesus begins to invite people in and people don't show up. And listen to what Jesus says. He says, then he said to the servants, the wedding banquet is ready. But those I invited did not deserve to come. Let me just go ahead and say it. None of us deserve to sit at the table with Jesus. I don't care how long you've been in church. I don't care how long you've been saved. I don't care what Sunday school class you teach. I don't care what committee board. You do not deserve to sit with Jesus. And the moment that we feel entitled to sit at the table, there's no longer going to be space for us. And Jesus is all about inviting the people that seem like they don't belong. And he says to them, listen to this. So go to the street corners, invite to the banquet, anyone you can find, say anyone. So the servants went out into the streets and they gathered, listen to this, all the people they could find, the bad as well as the good, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. See, Jesus makes a good decision. And in church, he challenges us to make the decision good. He challenges and encourages us to go, go invite, go bring, go bring, come see Jesus. Uh, let me ask you like this, who are you inviting next week? Do you know that 80% of people who don't go to church said if someone invited them on Easter, they would show up? Who, who are you bringing into the journey? 
Let me tell you something. We want to be prepared for people that are far from God. My prayer is that if you have been here more than two weeks, we don't have a seat for you. You could have amen right there. Because we want to see the kingdom of God built. And so who are we inviting? Let me tell you what, what we're doing. This is really cool at CLC. We're preparing for people to come and feel like we are prepared for them. So if you go to our website, it's starting today, clcdayton.com, you'll see a, a little a tab on the front page and it says, plan your visit to CLC. You can scan this and send this to a friend. And if they go on, they can register their children so they'll already be taken care of. They can let us know what service they want to come to so we can have a seat for them. You go, but what, what, do I get a seat? Maybe. But they can have a seat ready for them. We'll have a VIP team that'll be waiting for them to say, we are so honored that you were here. Come, come on, man. Let me, let me walk you to the auditorium. Let me, let me take care of your kids. Let me have the cup of coffee for you. Why? Because Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost. We want people to know they are loved, not as they should be, but right where they are. And so they can, we'll have people that will walk the journey with them. So if you invite someone, say, hey, go on and just RSVP. It will be so cool. We'll have a team member that'll just reach out to them. Not the weird team members, but like the ones that they would want to talk to. And, and they can and just visit us. We'll have a cool, nice gift for them. And we just want them to know the love of God that maybe, just maybe they would say yes to Jesus. How many think that'd be worth it? Who are we inviting? And by the way, since y'all are so excited about that, next weekend, if you would say, hey, I may, I may not be the friendliest person. Don't try to steal the funny. That's mine. If you, you'd say, hey, maybe I could serve on greeting or the VIP team just one week to love on people well. New people, we'd invite you to stop by the VIP room right after service and say, hey, I'll serve next week. We're not going to lock you in for a lifetime. But it may just be a good opportunity to begin to connect with people that are just looking for one opportunity, one chance to say yes to Jesus. So who are you inviting? And after this is all done, Jesus has one thing left to do before he goes to the cross on Friday. He finds the, the innkeeper and he says, is there a place that I can have the Passover meal with my disciples? And so they find a place and a space for Jesus and the 12. And this is what seems reckless in the reckless love of God. See, we hear these scriptures as communion scriptures, but we're missing it. This is Jesus changing everything. And so Jesus sits with his disciples and he takes the unleavened bread and he breaks it. And they go, we know, we know, Jesus, this is the Passover saying that you'll say. And he says something they never expected. This is my body, which is broken for you. As often as you eat of this, don't remember the Passover. Remember me. And they were like, Jesus, you've gone too far. Here's what it would be like. It'd be like Pastor Stan coming out next week and going, in December... We're going to have a big celebration about the last weekend of December. 
we're going to celebrate my birthday. We normally do it, you call it Christmas, but we're going to call it Stanmas. And y'all are going to bring gifts and you're going to sing songs to me. Right, and, and we'll, the kids will all come in and man, it's gonna be, we'll have a lot of services, a lot of people come and we're just gonna sing songs to me. And you go, no, we're not. And by the way, if I or Stan ever do that, never come back here again. But it's even more than that. And what he is saying is this. They were celebrating that they had been freed from Egyptian slavery. But now, they will remember that I laid my life down so that everyone who would say yes to me could have their past forgiven. They could be set free from the bondage of this world and they could have hope in eternity. And it's available to all. And then Jesus goes one step further. He said, this is my cup, this cup. Is my blood, which will be shed for you. Hold on, Jesus. We've been sacrificing animals for thousands of years. And Jesus is basically saying this. It wasn't that the sacrifice of the animals was what was necessary. It was me preparing the people for this sacrifice. Because without the shedding of blood, there could be no forgiveness of sin. And my sacrifice will seal the deal forever. And so when you drink of this blood, you'll no longer have to put it up the doors. And remembering what God did in Egypt. Because I'm inviting you to be a part of my family. And you'll do so remembering me. See, here's the reality. Holy Week was God making a good decision and inviting you to make the decision good for you. And his pain will be the game that will transform everything. I remember I was sitting at that altar 30 years ago. I knew nothing about Jesus. I just knew that there was a God and he was real. And I said at that altar, not Lord, forgive me my sins. I remember saying, Lord, I give you my life. And for two hours, I sat at that altar. I went back the next day and I got filled with the Holy Spirit. We'll talk about what that means later. And then on Easter Sunday, someone prophesied that I was going to go into ministry. I didn't even know what that meant, but I got the trifecta that weekend. <laughs> Saved Holy Ghost ministry. Monday was terrible. There was nothing left. And what I realized was this. I'm so undeserving. And the following Sunday, I showed up at church for the first time. I had my, my Bible, not my Bible, my family had the Catholic Bible that was like this big, the tabletop, and I carried it like this. 
And I was going, I'm going to get a nice seat in the back row because I'm a, the back row people are my kind of people. All you down here, like I didn't, y'all were the A students. Man, I was, my people were back there. And I got to the front door of the church. I don't forget a man looked at me and he said, son, at this, this church, we honor God by the way we look. And we don't dress like that. I had a cut off t-shirt. I didn't know Jesus had a dress code. I still don't, apparently. <laughs> and he said, come with me. And then I thought I was in trouble. I was going to Jesus' office or something. And man, all that I experienced started to fade. And he marched me to right here to the front row. And I thought, man, these people are looking at me. It's uncomfortable, but man, when the worship began, band began to sing, and it brought me right back to Jesus. And I remember saying this, Jesus, if I gotta put up with these people to get to you, I will. And here's what happened. I grew to love my family, the church family. But all that happened because one person cared enough to make me their mission. And I'm telling you today, I'm only here because one person was willing to be uncomfortable inviting someone who didn't fit in to come see Jesus. I have a beautiful wife. I have four amazing kids. I've preached to thousands of people around the world. And it's only Jesus. I'm so grateful for him. That's why it matters to me. Every Sunday, I just go, God, would there be one that would show up? Because I want that one to know God loves you. That he stepped into Holy Week. He went into a city. He was betrayed and beaten and broken because he loves you. And while we were yet sinners, he died on the cross for you. And I said, Jesus, my life is yours. And it hadn't been easy, but it's been the greatest life I could ever dream of. And I spent the next 30 years of my life saying, Lord, I don't ever want to become a comfortable, complacent churchgoer. I want it to be about you, Jesus, and seeing people come into your kingdom. He says, so you love everybody? Yeah, but I don't, I mean, I don't like everybody, but I love. Because I know, I know who I was. And I now know who I am. And if you're here today and you go, I don't know if there is a God, I want you to know I'm living proof there is. I'd like to pray for you this morning, all of you online. If we could just take a second and close our eyes and bow our heads. I just, not because it's real spiritual, because I want to respect you and your privacy. I just want to ask two questions as we pray, and I'll pray for us in a moment. If you're here this morning, and you haven't made Jesus the Lord of your life. And what that means is this. You haven't 
as the Bible says, confessed that you were a sinner and that you need a Savior. And you invite Jesus to be the Lord of your life. The Bible says he is faithful and just, and I can attest to it, to forgive you of your sins, to give you the eternal promise of heaven and the right to call God your Father. And maybe you haven't because you've been afraid of what God might take from you. Friend, would you just, maybe for a moment, just realize what God sent his son to give you. So this morning, if you would say, Pastor, you're about to pray. When you pray, would you include me in your prayer? I want to say yes to Jesus. And by the way, that doesn't mean you have it all figured out. It just simply means you're accepting the invitation to follow. If that's you, when I count through, would you just lift your hands and go pray for me? I want to say yes, or I want to come back to Jesus. One, two, three. Just lift your hands right now. Hold up. I don't know who I'm praying with. Right. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. I don't want to miss anybody. Just right over here. Yes, ma'am. I see it. Awesome. Who else? Would you say yes? Yes, sir. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I'm not going to do any of that today, but you just say yes. One more time. Yes, sir. Online, just say yes in there. For you, like seven people that just said yes, the Bible says all of heaven is rejoicing. I'm rejoicing. My last thing I want to pray with today, and I want to ask the honest question of us at CLC as the church family. Have you allowed your faith to make you comfortable in just being, in just being? Have you lost your passion and zeal for the lost? And you would just simply say, Lord, I pray today for renewing of your spirit inside of me. Help me to love people that sometimes are unlovable. Help me to live on mission to invite people into a journey. God, renew the awe and the wonder because Lord, maybe some of that has faded. If you were honest today and say, that's me, would you just pray that God would give me a renewed power of his spirit? Would you just lift your hand and say, yeah, pray with me on that. Pray with me. I'm lifting my hand. Who's gonna join me? Yeah. So good. Let's stand together, all of us around this room. We're going to pray this prayer. For you that raised your hand and said to say yes to Jesus, I'm going to pray and we're all going to pray with you. And you're not praying to me, you're praying to God. But I want you to know, I want you to know you're about to make the greatest decision of your life. Let's all pray this together. Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. And I need your forgiveness. I ask you to be the Lord of my life. I believe you rose from the dead. 
And Lord, I receive your love for me. Thank you for making all things new. Erasing my past and giving me hope for my future. In Jesus' name. And Lord, I pray right now for all of us as a church that this would be a a breaking point of revival. Lord, that your spirit would move, that we would grow in your word. You would bring people in like never before. Not because we want to make CLC big, because we want to populate heaven for all of eternity. God, thank you for this church that loves so well, is generous so well. And Lord, I pray today that we would see, not with our eyes, but we would see with yours. And we would watch, God, as you lead us to the people you died for. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen and amen. Come on, let's give God a great big hand this morning. As you leave today, if you said yes to Jesus, or if you're here for the first time, we'd love to meet you in the VIP room. Uh, and we have a gift that we'd like to give you. If you'd be willing in helping us serve uh, next week to greet and love people, only the nice people, would you come by the VIP room? We'd love to have you just serve and love on people well. I pray you have a great week and make sure you're inviting somebody on the journey to Jesus next week. God bless you all.